Instead of just constantly like, well, you know, I have this job, but there's got to be something better out there. The grass is greener over, whoa, look at that. That field has got some tall, good green grass, and I need some more of the green in my pocket, and people will jump. See, loyalty is important. You might be the guy or the girl that says, I'm a Christian, yet I got the grass is greener on the other side mentality, and that's the bad mentality you have. It could even be considered a syndrome. The minute the going gets tough, the tough... Go shopping for a new whatever. What do you do when things in your life fall off the blissful path they've been following? Do you give up and walk away, chasing something that seems better? Or do you stick it out and remain loyal to the place God has called you to? Today, Pastor Mark will remind you how important loyalty is in the life of a Christian. This is part of your witness. You remain faithful, even when the circumstances aren't ideal. This is a reflection of Jesus in your life, after all. He's been faithful to you and given you grace, no matter what you've done. Use the message you hear today as an encouragement to continue showing Jesus to the world around you. Well. Let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 with today's edition of Come Alive. Verse 8 says, For your servant took a vow while I dwelt at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and he went to Hebron. And then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. And then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. So here you got this guy, and we see this coup taking place. Whenever there's bitterness, there's misery, and we know the same, misery loves company. Misery loves company. So now we see the malcontent men, if you're taking notes. We got corrupt company, and now malcontent men. And so there are those who will feel the same way, and there are those who are clueless. We see the clueless ones, and they have no idea. They're innocent. They just, hey, we're cool. whatever, we'll follow. We'll go that way. And there are those people that just follow because that's what they do. They have no idea why they follow. They have no idea why they believe the way they believe. Well, my mom and dad, they always voted this way, so I vote this way. I was told I fit into this class, so that's what I do. Without really researching the who's and what's. The who's and what's of what's going on. So here's Absalom. He's got these guys. There's a few of them. He has 200 men who have no idea what's up, why they're even following, but there's 200 of them. And the innocent ignorant are who they are. Sometimes that's who we are. Just the innocent ignorant, and we have no idea. They just follow. They don't know why. And whenever there's bitterness and malcontent, people starting to beep their own horns, well, 
there are those who will follow just to go with the flow. Oh, I don't want to cause any waves. I'm just going with the flow. I don't want any trouble. I just want to stay here and not be involved. I mean, I used to be involved, and it was just, yeah, it was a lot of trouble, and it really got me nowhere. And yeah, just and then there was that guy or that girl, and they were kind of a problem. So you know what? I'm just, this looks better. And there's 200. I mean, after all, how could 200 people be wrong? Well, we'll see that they're wrong. So we shouldn't be one of the ignorant innocent. Don't be one of those. So let's look at the guys. Let's look at these guys. Ahithophel, who is this guy? We hear this name and, you know, again, Ahithophel. Sounds like you got something wrong with your tongue. Ahithophel was the guy that David would always bounce stuff off of. Hey, Hithy, check this out. I got this great idea. And what do you think of? And so Ahithophel would listen and be like, oh, Dave, man, that's kind of lame. Or, yeah, that'd be great. So Ahithophel was one of David's counselors. So why does Absalom go to Ahithophel? And remember, when we study the Bible, those are the questions we need to ask. Who, what, where, when, why, how, or the so what? So what? Well, Ahithophel, if you remember, in chapter 11, verse 3, this verse tells us that Bathsheba, if you turn there real quick, we're gonna, we can go there and take a look. It's just a few pages over. 11, verse 3, says, So David sent and inquired about the woman. Remember, the woman would be in Bathsheba. And someone said... Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And you're like, well, that doesn't say anything about Ahithophel. Well, that's Eliam's daughter. And now if you go ahead a few chapters to chapter 23 of Second Samuel, we're just going to back up who we know and who this guy is just to find out who he is. Verse 23. Hopefully it's still in my Bible. Here it is. Second Samuel, verse 23. We see a list of David's mighty men in verse 34, right? And it runs this little list down for us. In verse 34, it says, Eliphalet, the son of Ahasbi, the son of the Machathite, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. So Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. And so here... Eliam's dad is Ahithophel, and if you go down to verse 39, you see Uriah, the Hittite's name as well, in chapter 23. And again, so what? Big deal. Well, Ahithophel and Uriah are army buddies. David's mighty men. David's mighty men was a mighty fighting force. Say that five times real fast. And so, you know, these are army buddies. And so one introduces his daughter to his buddy and says, hey, here's my daughter. Here's Bathsheba. When the whole adultery thing takes place, Ahithophel knows what happens, what's going on. Now, some of you might be going, oh, I see. I'm beginning to put two and three together and get five. And Absalom begins to think, who can I get to side with me? I'm looking for somebody else that's really not digging on David. And I need somebody that's bitter and disgruntled, and I can get them on my side. So who could that possibly, oh, well, here's Ahithophel because he he just, David really messed up that dude's family. So I bet, let me go check it out. So he kind of goes and he says, hey, buddy, here's what's going on. And so Absalom begins to think, who can I get to side with me? And maybe he is still a little bitter about what David had done to Bathsheba's husband, his army buddy. If he's not upset about Bathsheba, then he'll really be upset about what happened to his buddy in the army. And so it was an injustice done to his family. And if it's truly the case, then Absalom could exploit this weakness 
for his own personal purpose. And that's what happens a lot of time when you bump into that bitter individual in the workplace, in the church. They're always trying to get people to side with them. Even sometimes in marriage counseling. You'll have people come in and state their side, and they really want you on their side. And one of the first things we say is like, listen, I'm always telling my wife and I, we're here with you as a married couple. I'm not on your side, and I'm not on your side. I'm on the side of marriage. And we love you both, but I'm not on your side or on your side. Now, you've probably done something wrong, and you've done something wrong to get here. So let's start working this thing out. But see, a lot of times that bitter person really just wants somebody on their side. They want to win. They want to win the argument. They want to win the day. And so, again, it's just one of those things when allowing bitterness to take root within your soul can lead to destruction. Maybe you're dealing with bitterness in your own life somewhere and you're trying to get people on your side. Or you've been burned by a boss or a coworker, a friend or a relative, a spouse or a church or a Christian. And you blame God. Or there was forgiveness never asked or given. And so here you have this problem. Now you're bitter, you're angry, and someone has to come with an idea and a plan. But you know what? You sit there and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm willing to defect. I'm willing to leave. And I would say if that's the case, be careful. See, we need to learn that forgiveness, again, is a command and not a suggestion. True forgiveness will provide harmony. It will allow you to move on and get past it. It will allow those other people just to get away. There's a story about these two monks, and they're walking. They're going to go help a couple of people harvest some crops that need help. And as they're walking, they come to a brook. And it's pretty wide, and there's an old lady there, and she's sitting down, and she's kind of upset. And they ask, what's wrong? And she says, well, I can't cross. The current's too strong for me to cross by myself. And the monks look at each other and they're like, well, you know, we can help you across. And she says, okay. So one monk grabs her feet. The other monk grabs her by the shoulders and they walk her across the brook. And they set her down. And as the two monks, and she goes on her way. And as the two monks continue on their journey, one monk begins to complain about his back aching. And he keeps complaining and complaining after miles and miles. The other monk goes, bro, what is your deal? And he's like, well, if we had never picked up that old woman and carried her across, my back wouldn't hurt. And the other monk said to him, hey, man, I set her down five miles ago, and you're still carrying her. Get over it. Sometimes we carry those grudges, and we wonder why we hurt. And so here we see that Absalom is a little bitter. He goes to Hebron. Think about this. Hebron. Where was David anointed king? Hebron. And that would have been the old capital city. David moved the capital city from Hebron to Jerusalem. So why does Absalom go to Hebron? Well, I'm sure there's going to be somebody a little upset about Hebron not being the capital city. Some of those city leaders. Do you see what this guy's doing? You see how bitterness can kind of take root and start looking around. It puts its feet, it's like an octopus. It starts putting feelers out, starts talking and getting people, looking for and gathering more disgruntled people. So Ahithophel is bitter. All or most of the people in Hebron are bitter. So make me your king, king of the bitter, is what Absalom wants. I'll be the king, and you guys, yeah, if I get enough people, 
to vote me in. I can get enough people to, bitter people, angry people, and allowing bitterness to take root in your soul is going to lead to your destruction. Ahithophel obviously never dealt with the matter of David. So he defects from David, sides with Absalom, and so they sow discord among the brethren. Look at verse 13. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So we have another point here. We just finished talking about the malcontent men. So Absalom gets a couple of guys to side with him. And if you tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on, we can grow this thing. Well, now we've got lacking loyalty. Statistics show that the average stay of the people in a church is about three and a half years. But what's even more stunning is that the average stay of a pastor is three and a half years. I say this and saying this because the pastor and the people, well, they're Christians. We're called to be the kind of people that Paul tells us to persevere and endure. But if the people sense that the pastor's not committed, then they won't be committed as well. And so I say this and push this in here. Verse 13 is because this messenger comes to David saying, the men of the hearts of Israel with Absalom, uh, they're not loyal. We as Christians need to be loyal. Now, I'm not saying that, that you need to be loyal to Calvary, Katie, or whatever. If you are, cool. That's where the Lord calls you. Awesome. Then be loyal. But what about just being a Christian and being loyal? Loyal to your spouse. Loyal to your children. Loyal to what God calls you to. Those things. What about loyal to your employer? Instead of just constantly like, well, you know, I have this job, but there's got to be something better out there. The grass is greener over, whoa, look at that. That field has got some tall, good green grass. And I need some more of the green in my pocket. And people will jump. See, loyalty is important. You might be the guy or the girl that says, I'm a Christian, yet... I got the grass is greener on the other side mentality, and that's the bad mentality you have. It could even be considered a syndrome. The minute the going gets tough, the toughs go shopping for a new whatever. I saw that bumper sticker the other day. When the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. I started laughing. I was like, yeah, we tend to do that. Looking for that next thing to pacify us when life gets rough, to take our mind off of what's actually going on. See, before you switch church, jobs, houses, cars, location, my first question is, do you pray? Do you pray about those things and say, Lord, here's the deal. Here's what I would like. What is it that you want? And Lord, I'd really like for you to want what I want, but, and that's okay to have that little argument as long as we get to the point of, no, Lord, it's not what I want, it's what you want. And if that's what you want, That's truly what I want. But a lot of times we're like, no, Lord, I want a new fill in the blank. And please bless this move or this choice. Amen. Or do you wait on the Lord and wait until he shows you a verse and a confirmation and then some counsel from mature godly men or women? Or do you just jump ship and you're ready to go? Do you bail? Do you think God has you where you are to minister to others? Think about it. Whether it's in the workplace Or maybe you're not in the workplace. Maybe you're just a mom. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe your house is parked between some crazy people. Man, I can sit and watch crazy people all day. I'd love for my house to be parked between some crazy people. Wherever he has you, are you there to minister? I See, I think people or Christians 
have a problem with commitment. I really do. Because, you know, here's the deal. Moses parts the sea. And this is where I get my information. It goes all the way back. Moses parts the Red Sea, and they all go across, and they're all cool. And there's a song about Moses. You know, we'll always follow Moses. And then not 40 days later, what do they do? They build a calf. They build a golden calf. And so there's no commitment there. For the people in Hebron, they were David's until someone else came along. They were David's people. And then here comes this guy with these promises. With this, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. Do we blame this on God? Well, you know, I've been praying for a better, and it seems like this is coming along. And then all of a sudden it comes along and the bottom falls out. How could God let this happen? No, 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 no. Don't blame God. It was probably you or me because we had a lack of commitment. See, in this case, it's a king. You know, here he is. He listens. He kisses. He kisses babies. He even kissed me. Oh, I love this guy. I mean, he's real. He touches me. He wants to hang out with me. He's everything I've ever wanted in a fill-in-your-blank. A king, a car, a boss, a job, a husband, a wife. Man, I can't tell you how many of my friends that get married and they're just like, oh, dude, I wish I'd never married that chick. I'm like, really? About eight months ago, she was the girl. Yeah, but you don't know what she turned into. I mean, one day I woke up, her face was green, and it's like, well, dude, she's probably trying to make herself beautiful for you. What have you done? Could she say the same? See, are you that person? Well, what type of witness do you leave when you just bail out? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Here I am at my new job. And then all of a sudden we bail out. Or, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be with you, bro. Oh, not today. I can't make it today. I got other stuff going on. Oh, yeah, not today. I'm bailing. The grass is greener. I found a new best friend. I found a new relationship. I found a new... See, are you able to commit? Have you ever thought that God may want you just to grow through whatever it is, those things that bother you? Maybe the job's not perfect or the marriage isn't perfect or that relationship isn't perfect or that person's so needy or whatever it could be. Have you ever thought that maybe God has brought that to you so you could grow? Yet we turn tail and run. We turn tail and run when life gets tough. And so is the size of the small church or the low pay or the whatever it is, fill in your own blank. It could even be a large church. I've had people say, oh, yeah, that's such a big church, Calvary Albuquerque. It's so big, and I really don't feel connected in there. I can't believe they won't split this thing up. And they say things like that, not knowing that. There's been people that have gone out all over Albuquerque, and people just keep coming back to that one. It's not that Skip goes out or uh, Bob or Chuck Smith or whoever has those large mega churches goes out and says, hey, knocking on doors, you need to come to my church because I got the deal. I got the dealio. It's like, no, 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 no. They just, they go there for whatever reason. How serious are you about spiritual things should be the question. How serious am I about spiritual things? Not about how great something is. I mean, it could be great depending on how serious you are. If it's truly God, it'll be great. If it's not, it won't be. And then you can move on if the Lord calls you out. See, we always say, Lord, I want to be like you. Right? How many of you prayed that? Anybody ever prayed, Lord, I want to be more like you? Be honest. 
except I don't want to be homeless and I don't want to preach to people because it could be offensive and I don't want to be hungry and I don't want to go there because it could be dangerous. But Lord, I want to be more like you in the sense that I know I could go to the pond and get money out of a fish. Or I want to be more like you because I can take a loaf of bread and that fish that I got some money out of his mouth and turn it into a bunch more food. Yeah, Lord, that's what I want, but I only want to be like you in those things, not the homelessness, not the pain and suffering of the cross, not the ministering to the sick and the like. Man, I don't want to touch a leper. I mean, what if I sneeze and my nose falls off? Then what good will I be? See, we are those people who always say, I want to be like you, Lord, but there's a little loophole we want written in. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, am I quitting whatever I'm quitting because I can't extend forgiveness or use this opportunity for a contention and to quit because I don't like the way things are going? Am I using an opportunity to bail out because I just don't like the way things are going? Or could it be that God's using this to grow you? And again, I'll say in the worst situation of your life could be in God's best will for you. It may be God's will. In the worst situation of your life, it may be in God's perfect will. You can walk away if you're being led by the Lord, and that's cool. I'm not saying you can't. You can walk away if the Lord truly leads you to walk away. Or are you walking away being led by the flesh? Is the Holy Spirit leading, or is the flesh leading? That's what it always boils down to in everything that we do. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. And when the king went out with all his household after him, and but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him, and then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherethites, all the Peleothites, and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, had passed before the king. So here, now the forces gather against David outside the city. David is like, hey, you know, he wants to spare the city from destruction. Because if these forces will come to do battle, there are going to probably be a lot of innocent people and innocent lives lost. And so he loads up the truck and he moves. He leaves 10 concubines back at his house to keep watch over it. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.